Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. Morning, church. My name is Rob, and I'm a pastor of multiplication here at Salem Alliance Church, and I'm glad you're here worshiping with us today. It's good to be together. Can you believe Thanksgiving's almost here? It's like creeping up. It's kind of scaring me how quickly it's coming here, but uh, we're almost there. So we are in the midst of a series called Real Faith, and we're going through 1 John. If you've been with us, you know that John is getting older in his age, and he's continuing to talk about the same concepts over and over, light and love, love and light. And once again, and what we're looking at today and what we're going to open here in a little while, John is talking about this concept of the Father's love. The Father's love is such a a pivotal part of our relationship with God. Many of you know that I worked in the Middle East for about 12 years, and I got to be part of a humanitarian aid community, part of the nonprofit, the non-government office world. And in my time in the Middle East, I got to, to share life and serve with so many different people, so many good people, so many great people, people that were trying to find the courage and the perseverance to try to make the world a better place. Many of the people I served with did it because of the love that God had given them, and they felt like they were supposed to go and make his love known to others in tangible ways. Others didn't have that. They just knew that this was a decent rule to live by, make the world a better place, love your neighbor as yourself. But as I reflect on the different groups of people that I studied with and researched with and served with, there was a common theme. Many of us struggled with frustrations, exhaustion, and burnout. I myself fell into this cycle many times. Many times I I, I found myself absolutely exhausted, trying to, to, to be a good person that did my best to love God and love people, doing my best to show God that I loved him through my service to others. There are many times that I felt like I was going on fumes trying to carry this love to others out. I hit burnout. I got to that point. And I know there's many here today that are in similar situations, whether you're working for a nonprofit or whether you're just doing your best to love those that have been put in community around you. At times, you too feel like you're on fumes and you feel exhausted. In the passage we're going to look at here in a minute, John is telling us to love people because it's what we're supposed to do. He's telling us that it authenticates our faith and that people with real faith love others well. We've heard that message through and through in this series, and it is the truth. Even the passage we're going to read today ends this way. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. And it seems to be a no conditions, no terms type agreement. It's the golden rule, this great commandment. We need to love others. And so there it is. Today's message, love God, love people, go do it now, go. Let's pray. Short. See, the problem is, though, oftentimes people aren't lovable. You know what I'm saying? Oftentimes it's pretty difficult to love people. And so we leave knowing this is what we're supposed to do. This is the goal. This is the great commandment. But to be honest, we're trying our best. We're giving it our all. At times, I must confess, I'm faking it. And then it crumbles 
And then we come under extra guilt and shame, and we re- remember that, and they'll know we're Christians by our love. And we're, oh, I'm failing, and I'm not trying hard enough. Have you ever been caught in this cycle? It's exhausting. Love God, love people. See, love God, love people, it might be the greatest commandment, but it's not the gospel. It might be the greatest commandment, but it is not the gospel. You see, I'm an accomplisher. I'm an achiever. I love to know my goal, and I love to get it. I'm so dysfunctional in that, even if it's a process of getting to that goal that I should enjoy, I don't always enjoy it because I'm so fixated on getting to the goal. And so when I read this, and John says, you know, go and love people well. This is what you're supposed to do. I look at that, and I just jump ahead to that. And church, that's gotten me in trouble in the past. Because I'm giving and giving and I'm trying to hit that goal. I'm trying to people, love people well and I'm on empty. But church, we need to stop trying to manufacture love to give. You see, you can't give away what you don't have. And we need to at times when we're stuck in these cycles of trying to give away and love people well, but we're feeling exhausted, we need to pause. We need to pause and remember that the way it works is it starts by receiving the Father's love and then giving away. You see, my life has changed when a friend of mine once spoke this. He said, it seems to me like you're seeking the Father's hand and not his face. And I'll never forget when those words were spoken to me. And my new, my new deal in life is every time I start to feel a little bit exhausted, I start to say that to myself. Am I seeking his face or am I seeking his hands? Because I found myself in a rut where I kept seeking his hands for other people and for, for myself. And I stopped seeking his face. I stopped putting myself in a posture where I could receive the Father's love. Where I sat there, where I made time to receive his love. Because it's that love that allows us to go and obey this commandment. It's that love that he gives us. It's the result of the gospel. See, this isn't the gospel. It is the result of the gospel. Loving people proceeds from this good news that we have a great God that has lavished love upon us. And that's what we read about today in John, 1 John 4. 1 John 4. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. 1 John 4, verse 7. If you're using your pew Bible, it's found on page 1033. If you're using your phone, can I just tell you, I know the fantasy football app is going to come up. And just leave that alone for a minute. I know we're like, what are we, like third quarter, early games. Just let that go and go over to the Bible app, all right? Just put that on pause. Turn off your notifications for a little while. I got a couple games going on right now, and I'm curious what's going on. But this is, this is good stuff right here. And so here in 1 John 4, what's happening, right? Here we got John again. The, the big idea today is the Father's love. It's important. We're going to read 15 verses, and John uses the word love 29 times. And, and, and the thing about it is it, it's, he ends with this commandment. But what he, what he lets out before that is the gospel. And he does it in a, in a refreshing, renewing way. And so as I read this, would you let the truth of the gospel and the Father's love just kind of wash over you as I just read through this. 1 John 4, 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. 
This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This is the word of the Lord. This is the gospel of love. And before I jump into it, I, I, I want to share with you in my family, we had a slogan growing up, and it's a good slogan. It's not one that's left me with a lot of baggage, it's like some family slogans can. It's a good slogan. If something's too good to be true, it probably is. Many of you probably grew up with similar things. It's a great phrase. It protects us from jumping on some things. And for years, I believed this was true, but I hadn't experienced the Father's love because every time I would read this idea of this creator God that gave his life to me, it simply didn't add up. I saw others blessed. I saw others receiving that love, but in the back of my head, I heard that voice. My father's words, if something is too good to be true, it probably is. And though my father had experienced this great love, for whatever reason, I would sense that. And I think there's many here that have that same kind of understanding. And you know what? You kind of should. Because this is too good to be true. But church, it is true. This is extravagance on a level that makes no sense. Why would a holy and just God do this? And the answer is love unexplainable. A love that covers all. I love the passage that we just read because we see all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all having a role in just showing us this magnificent love. It starts with God the Father. God the Father demonstrated his love by sending his Son for us. We see this in verse 9. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his Son, his one and only Son, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. That love pursued us. We don't pursue it. This is not a if I, then God type deal. This is simply a, oh, what did I do to deserve that? And the answer is nothing. Not a thing. 
See, the source of all love is God, for God is love. It starts with him. He pursued. He is pursuing you, possibly for the first time, possibly again. He continually is pursuing you, and it sounds so obvious, yet it's not, because unconsciously we believe that somehow the source of love is within us, that we initiate it, but we're not the ones that initiate it. He initiates it. He is the pursuer of us, and his love initiates the relationship. You see, the creator of all things created you unique with a purpose. And sin came into this world and it disrupted it. It separated us from his presence. We see this even in the Old Testament. We see in the tabernacle and in the temple, the manifest glory of God is surrounded by this thick curtain. The access is cut off. Things aren't the way they were intended to be. His face, his presence is not there for the people because of what happened. Guilt and shame entered the world and we look to appease that in any way. This is the nature of humankind. Our relationship with the creator king is relegated to one of a guilty citizen entering the courtroom over and over, hoping for mercy and struggling to do our best. And yet we don't stay there because our ransom, our penalty, our sentence is paid. The king, Father God, sent his son. And there's where we see the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, his role in this great gospel. Jesus the Son showed his love by laying down his life for us. We see that in verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We are the recipients of this great love. You see, in my life, when I started getting these cycles and I'm on fumes and I'm just trying to do my best to love God and love people, what I'm not doing is make, taking a posture where I can receive that great love. I'm not making time and pausing to receive that great love. We need to learn how to take that posture. But because of Christ's death and resurrection, we have that option. We are justified. That means that we are found not guilty. But more than that, we're found to be righteous. We're found to be as though we never sinned. Because of that, because of Jesus' work, we are recipients of this great, extravagant love. Church, the words, God loves you, are powerful words. But I'm afraid that in our culture, we've started to toss them out so often that they've lost some of the gravitas. They've lost some of the heaviness and the weight that they should carry. You see, we toss it out often, and it's good. It should be common language because it's truth. God loves you. God loves you, but oftentimes it loses the weight. And a passerby might even say, well, okay, I guess I'm lovable. And I guess when I compare my life, I kind of got it together compared to that person. So I guess I can receive his love. In the words, God loves you are diluted. But church, the theological depth of what is being said here, of what is being communicated is more like this. God loves me a sinner, an unworthy one at the cost of his actual son, his one and only son. He traded his son for us. He traded his son for you. He traded his son for me. Justed Justice demanded appeasement. It demanded penalty. And as Spurgeon, the great preacher and theologian, says, it's love that applied it. It's love that answered that. It's the love of God that made up 
the difference. And the separation was no more. Jesus went to the cross. He was traded for you and me so that we could be justified just as though we had never sinned before him. I love it in Matthew 27. It says that Jesus on the cross shouts out again and he releases his spirit. He dies the Son of God dies. And at that moment, it says that the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks broke apart. But it's that imagery of the curtain being torn apart. Suddenly the curtain is torn. Suddenly we have access again because of what Christ did to his presence, to his love. Suddenly we can commune with him again because of what he did for us. And finally, we see spirit. We see the role that the Spirit plays in this great love. God the Spirit affirms and seals his love by residing, by dwelling in us. We see that in verse 13. And God has given us his Spirit as proof that we live in him and he lives in us. Spirit is the sealer, the proof and protector of this love that dwells in us. And we experience God's love. We experience this lavish love that was purchased for us because of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I know that concept is a strange one to get your head around, that we are filled with the love of God to overflowing. But it makes it clear in Romans 5, it says God's love has been poured out on, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Church, the earthly judge would see you as guilty and convict, but the heavenly father, the king, the judge, somehow gives us his son instead. And he doesn't just say to us, okay, you're good for right now. Now go and don't sin anymore. No, he takes us in. He invites us in. He moves us from the courtroom to his dining table to commune with us, to spend time with us, to get to know us. He gives us his spirit to be present with us, to share with us what grieves him, to share with us what gives him joy, to provide counsel and conviction and assurance, to give us a confidence that we sang about that breaks fear and that keeps us tuned in to his voice in his call. It's his spirit that allows us to hear his voice that says, my son, my daughter, I love you. This too is the gospel. It is the spirit that fills us to overflowing with the Father's love so that we can give away that to others and obey this great commandment of loving others well. You see, so often we don't pause and be recipients of the Holy Spirit's filling and, and the understanding he gives us of the Father's love and instead we walk around and we know that great commandment and we want to follow that because we're good people and so the little love that we have experienced, it starts to dwindle and we give it away to this group and we go over to this community and we give them some of the love that we've experienced because we want them to know who God is and we want to show them that love but it just leaves us more and more tired, more and more running on fumes, more and more exhausted. But what we see here is the Spirit's role in this when we make time, when we make that posture, he fills us to overflowing. It's not costing us. It's our excess that comes out. That is how we serve this world. That is how we love people well. That is how we get to obeying the commandment that John ends here. You see, this is the provision of the gospel. For the forgiveness of sin and the salvation of sinners, it is consistent with God's glory, with God's justice, but more than anything, it demonstrates his great love. John makes it clear, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. 
And he tells us that we know how much God loves us because we put our trust in his love. We put our trust, our faith in his love. And the question today is, have you done this? This is the gospel. Have you put your trust in his lavish love? Many of you here have, but there's some here today who haven't done that. And there's this sensing that you're feeling right now. There's something stirring in you. It might be really uncomfortable. Chances are that's God trying to get a hold of you. That is his spirit talking to your spirit. Pay attention to that. Because what's happening is moving from an intellectual to the heart, to the soul. And it's beginning to stir. The emotions are there for a reason. And this morning, I want to lead us through two prayers. The first is an investigator's prayer, and the second is a declaration of belief. First, the investigator's prayer. Some of you here today, you're hearing this, and it kind of makes sense, but you need more. This is a bit too good to be true. I get it. This is a bit outside of your comfort zone. I get that too. But something is stirring, but maybe the time is not quite yet. Would you consider praying this simple prayer with me this morning? Oh God, creator, have mercy on me. I'm trying to figure you out. Pursue me. Make yourself known to me. And stir in me faith to trust this love that I've heard about today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, can I just give you another challenge? You see, he initiates this relationship. But if you're closed off, he can't. So if you prayed that and you're sincere in that, this week, can I challenge you to take a posture of being able to receive from him? That simply means making yourself open to hearing what others might say to you, to what dreams you might have, to what songs you hear on the radio, to what happens when you open God's holy word and read. If anything jumps out at you, that is probably him pursuing you. But can I challenge you to take a posture that says, hey, if you want to get a hold of my attention, I'm ready, I'm willing. There are others here today that you are ready to take this step. You consciously want to take this step today and declare this is true because you are tired of not being able to receive this love. There's others here who have prayed this over and over. But can I encourage you, even as we pray this prayer here in just a second, would you let it wash over you again and experience the Father's love, this declaration of belief? I declare that Jesus is the Son of God. Father God, thanks for sending your Son. What love. Jesus, I have sinned, but in you I ask for forgiveness. I trust you. Thank you for your love, for your death that paid for my sins and allows me to come to you just as if I never sinned. Thank you, Spirit, indwell and empower me to live faithfully and to love others well. Seal the work you are doing. Amen. If you prayed that this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit would descend, that he would fill you to overfilling, that he would give you a new sense of who he is and make fresh and anew to you his love. Finally, this morning, I want to speak to the majority of us in this room who have made this declaration before, who have received the message of the gospel and are trying to live into it. Can I just encourage you, don't attempt to love people on your own strength. Don't try to manufacture extra love and try to make this work to obey that commandment. It's not about that. Love God, love people. Can I just suggest that maybe that slogan needs to be replaced today in your life? Replace it with this, receive God's love and love people. Receive God's love 
and love people? What are you doing to receive his love? Are you seeking his face? How are you seeking his face? How are you making space to receive his love, to take that posture? Look, it looks different for different people. Maybe for you, you need some solitude. Maybe for you, you need time in, in, in nature. Maybe for you, you need to be in a community. You need to study God's word in community. I don't know what it is for you, but can I just encourage you? If you're pretty tired, if you're struggling to love others, make time to seek his face. I love Ephesians 3. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is my prayer for you this morning. Also, as I prepared this weekend, the Lord impressed upon me this other word that I want to share with you. Because I believe that as we've gone through this series and as we've talked about being believers that, that, that know the love of God and love others well, I think that there's some people here today that have come under some guilt with that. You're questioning, I don't feel like I'm doing this really well. And you're wondering, have I received the Father's love? If that's you today, I think this is the word from Father God that he wants to speak to you. You're good. Don't worry. I see how you love people. You're good. Don't worry. I see how you love people. And if that word was for you, I release assurance and confidence to you that those doubts would dissipate because you have received the Father's love. And of course, there's more to receive. But walk in confidence. Church, we have, we have found the source. His love, the love. Our response is love to one another, love to our neighbors, love to this community. But church, well done. We are doing this. Keep loving one another in this city that we call home well. Keep working with Roars and Feed Salem and the Furniture Bank and all the other things that you do as followers of Christ. Continue to seek his face so that you can be filled to overflowing, so that you can love our city well. We're going to end this morning by worshiping. And as we worship, can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you to allow yourself to be a recipient of the Father's love? One of the main ways that I feel I am filled up with the Father's love is through corporate worship. So this morning, will you take a posture? Will you receive his love and will you thank him for his great love? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you right now for your love. For my brothers and sisters that are on fumes here today, I just pray that even now in our time of worship that you would fill them in Jesus' name. Lord, we're just your children. We're trying to do our best and be obedient. So one, Lord, I pray you'd forgive me and forgive others in this room that are trying to do it on our own strength. For those of us that are seeking your hands too much and not seeking your face, forgive us for that. But Lord, in your grace, would you just show us your love again this morning? We tell you that we love you. We want to see you made known. We want to love our city and continue to do so well. 
So be here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.